Welcome back to Cyberology, Dakota State University's podcast about all things cyber and technology. I'm Jen Burris, and Gabe is out today, so I brought a guest co-host with me, Jenna Martin. Hello, everyone. I'm excited to have you on here and help me interview our guest today, Cody Weilu. Uh, he's Assistant Professor of Computer and Cyber Sciences in the Beacom College, and today we're going to be talking about defensive security. So, Cody, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Yeah. So, as you said, my name is Cody Wellyu. I'm an assistant professor in the Beacom College. Uh, I've taught all sorts of classes over my years here. I think I just hit a nine-year anniversary overall working at DSU. So, been around for a little bit, but actually uh, took some classes at DSU here uh, back in the day uh, for a couple different degrees and glad to be back here on campus teaching again. Kind of teach everywhere in defensive security, Windows administration, a little programming here and there, but it's pretty good. Cody, can you tell us what is defensive security? Sure. So defensive security is a super broad area. It really can encompass well, everything that you would think of when you think security, computer security, if it doesn't have an offensive spin to it. It could be vulnerability analysis. I think that's a big component of it. Finding vulnerabilities in software, um, looking at malware, doing malware analysis really could fall under a defensive security umbrella. Uh, forensics, threat hunting, defensive cyber operations. Uh, the list really kind of goes on and on, but all of it has this goal of protecting whatever systems it is we're talking about, whatever information systems there are, uh, whether it be from a proactive standpoint or even a reactive standpoint. If we detect there's something wrong or there's an intruder and we have to go in and kind of mitigate anything that's going on that way. But yeah, really, really broad area, all with the goal of making things more secure. And so how does that differ from offensive security then? How do you kind of explain the difference between the two? Sure. So Offensive security and defensive security, we really have the same goal in the end, making things more secure. It's just how we go about doing it is very different. Kind of on the offensive side, a lot of what we do there is we actually break into systems and prove that something is vulnerable, show the mm -hmm. impacts of something. I think that's one of the key portions of the offensive side is actually proving that something could happen. Um, from a defensive side, it doesn't include that proof necessarily, but a lot of times when we're doing uh, defensive assessments, whether it be for vulnerabilities, looking for vulnerabilities, looking for misconfigurations, things like that, we probably have a broader view over an entire system if we are credentialed. So we have access to the systems and we look from the inside, whereas a lot of times offensive security is starting on the outside and making their way in. Really, they'll work together, getting to the bottom of any issues in any systems. Do you think I'm less likely to have issues since I keep all my passwords on post-it notes <laughs> under my keyboard? Uh, probably not. Dang it! <laughs> <laughs> Never would recommend that. Oh, well... Can you um, tell me what are some of the practices that you guys uh, do for defensive security? Sure. So yeah, I guess as I mentioned before, it's a super broad field, right? So we could take it in a lot of different ways. I think a big portion of defensive security, or at least traditionally, has been more the vulnerability management side. So when there's a software vulnerability out there that the world knows about, maybe one of those big things you hear in the news, are we vulnerable to that? Do we have systems that actually are affected by this software flaw or security flaw? And then can we patch that? Do we need to do any specific updates on our servers, on our systems, things like that? Kind of the vulnerability management side, that's a big piece to it. I like to personally play more on the monitoring side of defensive security. Somewhat of a proactive, which can turn into a reactive side. 
of defensive cybersecurity, but watching what's happening on networks, what's happening on computers. Can we find things that are different, things that are maybe not as they should be that could lead to exploitation or anything kind of along those lines? Intrusion detection, looking for that, preventing intrusions, which then can get into incident response, if there ever is something found that's not so good. Never an area we like to get into, but we have to be prepared uh, if there are any active intrusions or things going on. And uh, I guess really all that kind of can encompass uh, within defensive cybersecurity. Tools-wise, there's a bunch. All sorts of different tools in all of those different areas, um, from free open source tools for vulnerability management to log analysis and, and kind of things along those lines. And it's a broad, broad place. Sure. Since you're um, talking about vulnerabilities, how do you fix them once you discover you have a vulnerable area? So that really depends on the vulnerability. A lot of the, I'll categorize vulnerabilities into a couple different ways. Um, one being a software vulnerability. So a software manufacturer, maybe Microsoft, just made an error in Windows in some of the software that someone was able to exploit. It's all sorts of different uh, vulnerabilities and things that could be exploited in software that way. How we fix those is probably just installing updates. So if you ever get those. It's that simple, it can't be. <laughs> On some of Think those, maybe. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you ever see those little pop-ups, hey, you need to restart Windows to install updates, do it. It's it's annoying, and hopefully Windows isn't shutting down for you, but uh, it's important to install those patches. And at an enterprise level, sometimes that's hard to do if a patch might break something else in some old system or process. But with those types of vulnerabilities, they're hopefully easy to patch if there is a, a fix that Microsoft would publish in that example. Um, some other types of vulnerabilities could be misconfiguration vulnerabilities. So if you have a file share or maybe a SharePoint site or something like that, for example, that was configured so that anyone could get to your files, just bad permissions is really all that one would be. That type of a vulnerability is just change of permissions, right? But identifying that a vulnerability exists is absolutely the first step. Uh, once you find it, it's yeah, just change it, whatever that might be. If there's maybe an issue in a firewall configuration where you're letting through too much network traffic or allowing attackers or anyone really access to something they shouldn't have access to, it's almost as simple as just closing up that hole. And you talked about kind of monitoring things and keeping up to date with what's going on. So first off, uh, how do you keep up with all the monitoring? And then additionally, um, what do you do when you hear about new security issues? Jen, I would assume he doesn't sleep at night to monitor <laughs> all of this, right, Cody? Uh, it's sleep is important. We'll, we'll try. Uh, it's it's a busy th busy kind of industry and busy field. So I guess I'd say keeping up on all that monitoring, yeah, it's it's difficult, uh, and it, it will keep some folks up at night. Um, staying on top of the latest vulnerabilities is absolutely a task in and of itself. Um, there are tools out there that help you look for vulnerabilities, that can help you scan your systems for known vulnerabilities. Uh, I think last year in 2021, there were over 20,000 some vulnerabilities published, um, made known. The world knows about them. We know how to look for them. Our tools know how to look for them so we can do that. And it, it becomes kind of mind boggling how many issues there can be. It's kind of continuous monitoring going along that track, looking for unknown. It, it's super hard. I mean, having good tooling 
good staff, kind of good people in a security operations center. If you're an organization that's large enough to have one of those or can have one of those uh, managed security service providers working for you, do that constant monitoring. It's hard. It's absolutely a, a round-the-clock job. If you really need to stay on top of things, if you've got a really, really secure environment, that needs to stay so. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of work, and I think it's really exciting to especially find those unknown things, unknown vulnerabilities. You find something new, and, and you've kind of got a puzzle to figure out. And so you're also an advisor to some clubs and, and or teams on campus. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, I uh, am the faculty advisor for our Defensive Cybersecurity Club, which is a club that falls under Computer Club. So okay. we've got a lot of students involved in there. You kind of get into some of the competitions and things that Absolutely. we get to do there. Yeah, it's in our Defensive Cybersecurity Club. Uh, our students meet weekly. They're always talking about some topic as it relates to defensive cybersecurity or systems administration largely preparing to not only compete in some competitions, collegiate level competitions on the subject, but really just preparing themselves for the real world too. So a lot of the stuff is is very applicable. Some of the competitions that we'll compete in include the collegiate cyber defense competition. And actually I just came from working on setting up kind of a practice environment for our CCDC team this year. So we're going to do some practice with them in a couple weeks preparing for the regional and hopefully the national event where their job is to secure a network of computers. They'll get a network of 8, 10, 12, 20 different computers that they are tasked with defending from an active red team. Okay. I think a fun part of these clubs and being a student getting to participate in there, especially when we get to regional events and possibly even national events, they're going up against a really good red team, a professional red team. Oh, wow. They do offensive security for a living. So they're getting that intense experience. Absolutely. That they can take out then once they've graduated yep. into their careers. Yep, that's exactly right. I actually had the opportunity to participate on one of those teams when I was an undergraduate student. And that experience, I mean, not only having CCDC on a resume, but actually having that practical hands-on experience of getting to defend a network from live attacks was absolutely invaluable for future jobs. Tell us a little bit more about the competitions. Like, is it all, I'm assuming, remote, people all over the world, all, all over the United States maybe? or Yeah, it really kind of depends on the competition. CCDC, I'll, I'll use that one as, uh, I guess, the first example. Traditionally, that one, it, it does take place all over the country. I think they have eight... Nine, I think nine regions. So there'll be nine regional competitions throughout the country participate in an at-large region this year, which will end up being virtual. Obviously, over the past few years, the competition was virtual altogether with COVID and everything. But hopefully, they'll do well at the regional competition and have the opportunity to travel to Orlando, Florida this year for a national competition. That's that's the hope. Well, do you guys gather as a club on campus here and yes. do this? Like you have one designated room that allows you to hold your competitions in? Yeah, more or less. You um, team up with esports on that type of thing or no, completely separate? Th- at this point, kind of completely separate. Yep. 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 We'll team up more often than not with other computer clubs like the Offensive Security Club or Offsec Club, we can call it for short. Yeah, we've absolutely got spaces on campus for our students to meet all the time when they're meeting weekly, typically in a classroom. When we have our practice competitions, we'll get the Offsec Club together in a room, some of their members to be the red team, and they get to practice their offensive skills. Well, our defenders are in another room. 
on campus practicing their defensive skills and defending those systems against attacks. That's the CCDC side of things. We've also traveled to Chicago in the past for the Department of Energy's Cyberforce competition. It has a very similar flavor to CCDC where we're defending a network from attacks, but with the Department of Energy, they're often putting some sort of spin that's relevant to them. So critical infrastructure or water pumps and kind of a SCADA system, those types of really critical systems um, on those networks. So it's always a, a fun little flavor of things. And traveling with students is kind of fun, too. How has the club normally finished in those competitions? Fairly well? Yeah, I, I've been super happy with how DSU finishes overall. Most of the competitions were absolutely in the top, I don't know, 10%, I'd say, on average. I think the best we've ever done at CCDC was a second-place finish nationally. Wow. And we've won regional events quite a bit over the years. So, Are you competing with a lot bigger schools at those national events, too? Absolutely. Absolutely. Probably our biggest competition that we like to say in uh, CCDC in particular is UCF. They're like, they play D1 sports, a very, very, very big school. And I mean, in a lot of the other schools were, were, or a lot of their competitions, yeah, y'all are your D1 type schools. They, mm-hmm. they, some of them have a presence and, and we're, we're right up there with them, if not better. It's exciting. Cyberology. So how do you go about advising your students? Does some of that start in the classroom with the teaching, or is there a certain method that you take with your students? I would say that's accurate. It does start in the classroom, um, and a lot of the stuff can stem from the classrooms. Uh, I do teach our undergraduate defensive security class, so some of the topics, some of the concepts that we cover in that class and will make their way into what our club does. Um, and a lot of uh, what we do in the club, honestly, even is more on the systems administration side. So some one of those classes I, I teach, um, our Windows administration class. Um, so again, some of those same kind of topics can go over there. But really, I... I'm a big fan of empowering the students to kind of lead and be their best. Our clubs are run by students. They're really made for students and we're there to advise. Mm-hmm. A- absolutely. And I, I kind of like to take that role too. They're, they'll come to me for advice. Like what if, what are some other topics we could cover or could you help us make practice scenario or things like that? And I'm absolutely excited to do that and advise them on that. But I'm also really happy that our students are awesome and, and take the charge and kind of leading their clubs and from a week to week basis. What's it like coming up with practice scenarios for them? It's, I'm curious. <laughs> it's an adventure. Uh, I'll say it's challenging to an extent, too. Uh, after you do a, a number of them, come up with something new is, is kind of hard. But it's with a lot of these scenarios, we'll first come up with some sort of a business. So the one okay. I'm practicing with right now or playing with right now, I haven't. we're still working on setting it up, I'll say is a kind of shipping or a logistics company. So then what types of websites, what types of applications, what types of servers might a logistics company have? So then we're charged with trying to set that up, configure a network that looks kind of real, actually. So we've got websites, we've got emails, we've got maybe an e-commerce application where people would order shipping services or something like that and actually setting that up in our uh, what's called our IA lab kind of a big secure big computer virtual computing infrastructure we'll say and setting that up in that environment and then eventually unleashing the students on it that it's, just it's fun it's like it takes a long time <laughs> super does 
Super does. So you're going to unleash the students on that to see if they can hack in and reroute a package maybe is that like the kind of both sides to it my goal is more defensive focused right so to stop that from happening i'll introduce some vulnerabilities into the system i mean they'll be probably the easiest and quickest vulnerability to find and hopefully fix is just a default password oh sure. use the same password a bad password on every system every website every application well the students need to go in and fix that so it is real world too people do that and devices ship with default passwords. So there's that defensive side of it, but at the same time, we do have an active red team. So yeah, if the one of their goals could be to reroute a package, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Or uh, we're looking at maybe adding a shipping component. So we've got ships that they'd need to reroute, possibly as the attackers or steal customer information, yeah. like credit cards and things like that. And kind of having both sides go against each other to practice that way, it's I think it's super fun. Do you ever have them try to hack our passwords on campus here? (laughs) (laughs) It's one, two, three, four. In case you were not. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Absolutely not. No, no. Uh, One of the first things we talk about in our kind of intro to cybersecurity classes are the legal and ethics side of things. Sure. If you have permission, it might be okay, but we can't give them permission to hack your passwords. Probably a good conversation to have with them. (laughs) Absolutely. Yep. That's why I always tell these kids when I come across them, and I'm not a techie person by any means. So if, if you know me, you're probably like, oh, dear Lord. <laughs> um, but I always tell them, don't even try to hack my bank account. There's only $100 in it, so don't try it. <laughs> tell us a little bit about what it feels like when you watch these kids succeed, whether it be through the club activity or classroom aspect. You have to feel just an overwhelming amount of pride when you watch them Absolutely. That, that's absolutely correct. Pride is a good word for it. Uh, I'm I'm excited for the students always when they do well in a competition. I mean, winning prizes and getting to go somewhere to travel to a national competition is, is of course, fun and everything, but they've just got the experience. Even if they wouldn't do well in a competition, getting the experience of doing this stuff is absolutely a huge win for the real world. Being successful in these competitions is absolutely awesome to see, seeing our students land successful jobs and hopefully eventually come back to us and say hi once they're out in the in the real world in the workforce. That's absolutely awesome. One of the best parts of the job. What kind of career paths can students take out of defensive security? Oh. Good question. <laughs> All over. All over. Um, again, with defensive security kind of being such a wide umbrella, you can go just as many places, right? Yeah, just as many types of jobs from... Uh, hardcore malware analysis to vulnerability research or exploit research for maybe governments, things like that, to working in a security operations center, being a SOC analyst. So we're doing some of that monitoring stuff I talked about earlier, looking for intrusions, looking for active bad guys moving around, those types of things. We could look to systems administration. Our systems administration type degree called network and security administration is super well-baked in security. We've got security in and out of it. So where you take that, really becoming a pretty well-rounded student out of some of our degree programs and just in the defensive security world in general is kind of limitless, actually. That's very impressive. What do you see for the future of the cybersecurity industry and specifically defensive security? The future, I guess I would say the industry is changing. The industry is always changing 
uh, I kind of one of the things I like to say about security in general is it's super a cat and mouse game. It's the attackers trying to break in and defenders finding a way to stop them, finding a way to detect them so we know when someone's breaking in and well then they're going to find a different way to break in. It's just back and forth and back and forth. So as technologies change, as we have more and more devices that are connected to networks, connected to the internet, have all sorts of different information on them. The way we look at those devices, secure those devices, and monitor those devices for any malicious activity is always going to be changing. Just a constantly evolving field, and that's something that I think is super challenging and exciting at the same time. Any other questions from you, Jenna? None that I can think of right now. I'm letting you off easy. Just I have to say I'm very impressed. Um, you know, not only are you a really good professor here on campus, you take wonderful photography at all of the sporting events. So I, you know, you're just a man of, of many skills. And then you do your Christmas and light show, which is phenomenal. I think they yes. should try to hack that. Maybe I'll sit out there and try to hack that. <laughs> you're pretty safe in case you're wondering. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you. But I can't think of any questions right now. How about you, Jen? I guess if you want to mention anything about your outside interests, like the light show. I think it's important to have uh, interests outside of exactly what you do for work. But I'd, I've always liked uh, Christmas lights, and I put a technology spin on it, you know, kind of in the kind of tech and networking and cyber background. And you know, I like to play with kind of a Christmas light show, and I do a Halloween light show as well out at my place uh, called Mad Lights. So that's, that keeps me busy outside of work. <laughs> I can only imagine. Okay. Well, um, thank you for being a guest today, Cody. And thank you to our podcast producer, Xander Morrison. And thank you for listening to Cyberology. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider taking a moment of your time to subscribe. 